0: Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is the film director, Matt Escandari. This is a great opportunity for me to discuss the latest film that he's just released called Survive the Night. The film stars Bruce Willis, so I'm really excited to sit and kind of find out more what it's like to direct such a legend, but also what it's like as an up and coming director to kind of make a name for yourself in the business. So stick around for that real soon. I just want to touch base and talk about my last episode, so I was joined by the amazing Shane Ward, the episode was shared by himself so the numbers were absolutely fantastic and I read a lot of people that said they checked out the interview only knowing him for X Factor and then since have gone and checked out his film work and stuff in TV. But also a lot of people checked out Tom Payton's new film, The Ascent, and that's a film that I'm in myself. But it's also really good to hear how many people kind of jumped on board and really enjoyed it and thought that Shane was so good in it. So it's going to be exciting to kind of see what he does in the future with Tom Payton and loads of other directors. So what I want to do now is get straight into today's interview. Here's the interview with me and Matt Escondari. Okay, Matt, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me and
1: thank you for uh, ch- you know, giving me a chance to talk about the film.
0: What I want to do for the listeners out there that aren't familiar with your work, uh, I want to talk about how it started for you. So I know you moved to America as a child. What was it at that age that made you want to sort of get into films? Was there a certain movie you watched or an actor or what was it that influenced you?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I have a sort of unique background and uh, I actually immigrated to America from Iran. So there's obviously I'm not, I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar there was a revolution that happened um in Iran late 70s early 80s and uh, a lot of people uh you know left because of the persecution and the government and all that stuff so I was you know and our family was one of those people that came to America for a new life for a better life and um you know, very much uh, the immigrant mentality growing up is, you know, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. There's no other careers that are acceptable to your family. So, you know, growing up, I always assumed I'd be one of those things. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh, either going to be a lawyer a doctor or an engineer. And uh, as I got into high school and college, it just, I was always, I was always had like an artistic side, (laughs) And not necessarily film-related, but I was always just, you know, art, you know, storytelling, writing, and all that. So when I went to college, I was trying to, you know, I was an engineering major, and I was trying to see if that was really the career path that I wanted. And that's when I took a couple, just for fun, just took a couple, like, intro to film classes and history of film. And and that was really what got my spark ignited, uh, for, for a better word, was just kind of exploring that side of it and realizing, wow, this is actually a, a real career. And there's, you know, there's a possibility to be able to tell stories and make a living telling stories. So from there, I transferred to USC, went to film school. And this whole time, obviously, my parents were, you know, were questioning, is that a good idea? You know, are you sure you want to do that? Sounds a little crazy. Yeah. So it was, it was that process of trying to prove to them that, no, this is a real, you know, valid career. There's, there is a way to, to make a living doing this. And you can, you can be an artist and and a storyteller and, you know, we, and really we need these different kinds of voices, especially in the genre and Hollywood. So, you know, it was a process. It took a long time. There was no one specific moment, you know, it's a career is a lot, a lot of times it's, decades in the making so it took a decade for me to to get to where I needed to be where I was you know consistently making work and and shooting films and it's just a process you know to get there
0: were there any certain directors that you were really falling in love with their work, and that were inspiring you to want to start, you know, filming, even though you're studying at film school and stuff? Was there someone? Yeah, else?
1: so many directors. That I love. I, mean, I could spend hours to talk about all the different directors that has inspired me. One of my major influences was while I was in uh, Los Angeles, actually, uh, and I was at USC Film School. I interned at RSA Films which is Ridley Scott and Associates. They're okay. a, kind of like a production slash music video company. Yeah. And uh, as funny as I got to actually meet Ridley and Tony Scott, which was amazing because Tony Scott is like, one of my favorite directors of all time. I mean, it's, I love his work. And uh, the funny story about that was, uh, you know, I was, it's it. one of the rules as an intern there was to not bother, uh, you know, Ridley or Tony or whatnot. But I uh, would purposely find ways to kind of like sneak into their office, or you know, his assistant would get him his coffee. I'd be like, Oh, let me get his coffee. It's fine. Let me get his cappuccino. It's like, I'll do that. You know what I mean? So then I would, you know, slowly start to build a relationship with them because I'd like step in there and just, you know, get his cappuccino or whatever. And, uh, you know, I didn't get to talk much to Tony, even though he was obviously his style and his aesthetic really influenced me. I love the way he tells stories. Every film he makes, he just, he finds a unique entry into that genre and kind of pushes the genre as constantly experimenting with the, with the narrative and with the aesthetic. Um, well, what was funny is I finally got to, you know, after a lot of nagging, I got to sit down with, with Ridley one day, actually, and uh, I was like, so really I, you know, I love Blade Runner. I love all your movies. Do you have any advice or is there anything I can do? You know, you think that I really want to be a director. And he's like, I got one word of advice for you. He's like, go up into that attic up there. There was like an attic in the office. He's like, there's about, you know, five boxes of short ends, like 35 millimeter short ends. This is back in the day when everybody was still shooting film. He's yeah. like, take, take all those film ends, go shoot a movie don't tell me about it, just go shoot it. He's like, just go do it right now, like take all this one, I'm, I'm like, oh shit, okay, okay. So then I went up and I got all this, and I was like, all right, I better shoot a movie with all these short ends, cause you know, you know Ridley gave me an order here. So, and that actually ended up being the first, uh, one of the first short films that I made was the short ends that were uh, were donated to me by Ridley. So it was a cool, it was a cool. Uh, very cool. A little story
0: and one of your debut films obviously victim were you kind of really impressed with the feedback because obviously on imdb and the reviews were very strong and that was the one that you kind of want to leave your mark on the industry This Kate, okay, look this is me this is the director i am were you really thrilled with the kind of feedback that it got because it's been really really well received
1: yeah it's it's, it's weird i remember when it came I, I always when i directed that film and I always knew it would be controversial film and it's probably even more controversial today. Uh, If somebody watches it, they're going to be like, Whoa. But it was one of those films that the con it was so concept driven that uh, I knew instantly that it was going to be something that, that would, you know, stir some sort of conversation. But what's funny is this is the thing about when you make film is at the time, you don't know what the reaction is going to be. And when it came out you know because it didn't have any huge stars in it it didn't really you know i was sort of like not disparaged but just sort of like disappointed and just like oh we didn't get you know some huge theatrical release or you know or whatnot but it just just because of there was no big stars in it so it was it was kind of one of those things where it came and went and you know it got seen on by some people and it got a little buzz but it didn't blow up in the way that i was hoping and then years later, you know, I started. I still get like emails, or you know, somebody will send me like an article where somebody reviewed it and was like, "Whoa, this film was dark and it explored some interesting themes and this and that." And I look back and I'm like, "Oh wow, yeah, that was an interesting, was an interesting first film." You know what I mean? I mean, it does. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity to it, and it's it's interesting as an artist. I don't know if I would necessarily tell that sort of story again. Yeah. In a sense of it, it's weird looking back. I mean, if somebody gave me that script today, I probably would not do it. I'd be like, no, this is that it's not really my thing. It's not really my voice, or it's not. Re-. So I'm kind of happy that you know, whatever point in my career I was really young when I did that. I think I was 22, 22, 22, 23. So I'm I'm happy that I got to direct that film at that time in my career where I was still open to the idea of doing something like that, some controversial something kind of twisted and dark so that you know because i may not have i may not do that again or and if i do it might not be exactly that sort of story so looking back i'm definitely proud of that film and where it's uh where it's gone
0: and I mean obviously you've released your debut a lot of people then kind of keep it quite simple they keep grounded they kind of just keep it as they know they're familiar with their surroundings you thought hang on a minute i'm gonna go and make the gauntlet you went all the way over to china um that's That's a step up what was that like because it must have been a hell of an experience it definitely
1: was and it wasn't necessarily a good experience i'll be honest it was (laughs) sort of a it turned out that second film that i made ended up being a not like it almost made me want to quit my career basically that's how low of a, a point it ended up becoming because you know we were really young i was only 24 or 25 we went to china the producers also were kind of you know, a young team. It was the first film that they were doing. You know, it was an interesting time. You know, it was 2010-ish, it, right after the big, you know, the Great Recession, and and China was still sort of like, you know, the whole. You got everything is going to be in China now. I got to do a film in China, so we went to China, and it just didn't turn out to be a great experience because um, we ran out of money. Uh, we couldn't finish the film. We had to fly back. We had to try to get resources again to finish shooting it. At the same time, um, the script—you know—we there was issues in the script. I still remember that were never solved, and and it and and it was one of those things where like, oh, I'll figure out a way to to solve these problems on set, and it's just not one of those things that can be solved on set. And some of my inexperience as a director at the time came through as well, just not not having as strong a command of the story, and and working with actors and some of that stuff. And, and it was really like, a, it was definitely a learning experience for me. And then when the, fi- then when the final film kind of came together, it had huge production value, but it didn't kind of, the story didn't really connect in any way for me personally. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, man, this, uh, this experience, getting this, it took ultimately three, four years yeah. from prep to get the film done and I didn't do anything else for those three or four years except try to get this film, basically drag it across the, the finish line, you know, like like a dead corpse basically is what it end up happening. And I mean, there was elements of the film that uh, we, we'd shot some footage and we lost it, it was still in China, got damaged. So about, I think 20% of the film is, if you look at it today, we uh, had to be up from from backup footage that didn't look as good I mean, it was it was not a, a pleasant experience at the end of the whole uh, ordeal i was very much sort of exhausted creatively and i almost wanted it i was just like you know what maybe this maybe this career isn't for me you know what i mean this if, if this is what it's like making every film i don't know if i want to do this you know and well it's funny is victim was such an easy film to make i was like i don't know if i ever want to do this again this is it's a nightmare so it was definitely a, a learning process.
0: Well it's good that you bounced back obviously you were 12 feet deep but at the moment you're currently working and promoting Survive the Night. Now I'm sure you're going to get this question a lot but what was it like when you actually got the green light and you saw that you'd be working with the one and only Bruce Willis?
1: It was definitely exciting. Yeah. So, you know, as my career started going along, I, I went back, shot 12 feet deep, which is a fun, uh, great experience. And the film turned out great. It opened up a lot of doors for me. So uh, once that film got out, I was, you know, trying to get, you know, shopping more scripts around. And uh, it was funny is Survive the Night. Originally, it was called The Long Night. It was a script that I was working on with a co-writer. And we had chopped it around, and I wanted to do a. I'd always wanted to do a home invasion thriller. I love the genre. I love the idea of, yeah, you know, uh, taking a family and putting them in a setting where they're forced to face their worst fears, which is something entering into their home, their safe space. So it was always an, uh, an exciting process, uh, concept, and taking that. So we finally found a studio to do it with Lionsgate. And, uh, as soon as we got the, you know, you know, lines get said, okay, cool. You know, we want, we want to do this movie, we got some development notes. So we, we were working on the script at this point. I didn't know Bruce was going to play in the film. So, you know, we're working on it. And then as I was working on it, I got a call from one of the executives, his name's Tim, Tim Sullivan. And he said, Hey, I got this, uh, this other script, the director fell through would, you know, we're still going to do, you know, survive just, the director fell through on this one. I know you've done, you've done some films and if you're interested, you can come in and pitch direct it. And Bruce Willis is in it. And I was like, Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. So I read the script. It was pretty cool. Uh, it was called trauma center. It was a decent, uh, sort of chase suspense thriller. And, uh, and I thought it was fun. It was like Die Hard in a hospital. And I was like, yeah, this would be a fun little movie to make. So I went in and in, and I didn't know this at the time, but it was very much sort of a a test for me. They wanted to, because they were thinking about casting Bruce in The Long Night and they wanted me to work with him once first. And apparently, you know, uh, Bruce is one of those people, like he's, he's not difficult to work with necessarily, but he's just, you know, he's a huge mega star and they want to make sure that we vibe together and, you know, we're able to create together and, the first experience ended up turning out great so that's when we got you know as soon as i finished trauma center they were like okay ready to survive now and bruce is playing the same you know also wrong i'm like all right that makes sense so it was, it was definitely exciting and and getting a chance to work with him obviously i didn't want to um i wanted to treat him like any other actor he's an artist he's a creator he's showing up <clears throat> to tell a story to be involved in in the vision. So, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to look back at his filmography and sort of intimidate myself because I mean, he's worked with every, like, any and every A-list director over the last 30 years. He's yeah. basically worked with them. I mean, I think the only person he hasn't worked with is like Spielberg and maybe like Chris Nolan, like otherwise he's literally worked with everyone. So it's definitely intimidating looking at that. i like, like, what kind of adjustments I'm going to be, am I going to be giving him that he's, you know, it's, but it's just a process, you know, uh, you treat it as like any actor who's there to, to help you tell your story, help you enhance your vision, contribute. And working with him, you realize that you just really have, and, you know, and I talked to some other directors and I, and I tried to see like, okay, I've heard some stories. Like, how do we, you know, what does Bruce react to or respond to? And I, I went back and I heard some interviews where he was talking about M. Knight it seemed like him and M. Night had like a really strong bond director, director, actor bond. So I was trying to figure out what does M. Night do to, to get Bruce to trust him. And I was listening listening to some behind the scenes stuff. And it was interesting how Bruce was talking about how a night had a very strong vision. And he told him like, he just liked like giving him like, I got a sense that Bruce liked being able to trust his director and hand everything, hand over his, to that vision and just like help it come to life he's like yeah he was talking about how m Knight was very specific about his costume and the way he would walk and all these little little details so i was like interesting bruce is i mean he's an artist and he wants to be involved in in a filmmaker with a strong vision i totally get that so i went into that with that sort of knowledge and really tried to come at it from that from that angle
0: and do you think that it's something that he left thinking that he had kind of your respect because obviously it must be hard when you're putting you know the camera against him knowing that it's been tarantino and all yeah, the- exactly you know.
1: totally i mean it's a different experience obviously because i'm you know m night and these guys they, they're spending weeks with bruce and i'm only there with him for two days so it's a different sort of a film um and it's a different sort of a process but definitely i mean i got to i mean the fact that i you know at the end of this i have basically made three films with bruce willis believe me, if he didn't want to, if he wasn't, you know, gung ho about that, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be there. So no, it was a great experience. And I got to really kind of connect with him as an artist and see what he does and his process. And what makes him interesting as an actor is he's very, uh, he's very unpredictable in his choices. A lot of actors I noticed after, you know, directing quite a bit and working with different actors is they're very, they're very, they very much make a lot of safe choices, You look at a line and you're like, oh, there's one way to play this. I'm really angry. Right. It's like, oh, it's that kind of a thing. Right. So that's how a lot of actors make those safe sort of boring choices. And sometimes they're the right choices because they work. But what Bruce does, and I, and I honestly think a lot of a list legend actors, this is what makes them stand out is they'll look at that. Right. And they'll find some weird, unique choice or way to do that moment. And, and it's not what you'd expect and it's sort of surprising and, and unexpected. And, and I'll give you an example. Like in survive, uh, there's this, um, there's this moment where his character is, you know, it's at a really low point in the story. You know, he's not been able to to help his son and he's, uh, I don't know if I want to spoil what happens, but something bad has happened to him and he, is very much lost and sort of dealing with the pain. And and he's running away from from one of the bad guys and he's in the woods. And in the script it just had Bruce sort of leans against a tree, looks back, make sure the coast is clear and then runs off. Right. That was it. That's all that was in the script. So I was like, okay, Bruce, you know, I walked him through it. It was a pretty simple moment. And then I looked at him and he looked at me and he was like, I could just tell he was going to do something crazy. And he, uh, he, as soon as I called action, he just, he stumbled around on the ground and I was like, what's he doing? He's just like stumbled around. He whispered his, his wife's name. You can just see like the pain and anguish on his eyes. And then he released this massive scream, like predator scream. You know, I remember, I remember Arnold in Predator. He's predators. He, he just releases this like, ah, I was like, what? And then he just, he just collapses again on the ground. And I was like, the hell was that? And I just kind of looked at the DP and we just laughed. I was like, Oh, that, it's not going to be in the film. Like, what was that? You know, I wasn't sure cause it was so different from what was on the page. And then, um, you know, I talked to my editor that, that day and he's looking at the dailies and he was like, dude, what did, what was Bruce doing? That was genius. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, dude, that moment, like where he screamed and this. And then I was like, and then I started thinking about it. And then I started looking at the dailies. And I was like, Holy shit, that's going to be a beautiful moment where he's, you know, he's in that moment. He's just like, he's in agony. He's calling out. It was, it turned, it just elevated that little kind of two line moment in the script. That wasn't really anything, but it just took it to another level. Right. So yeah, he, he does that. He does that all over the time with little things. And sometimes those choices, unexpected choices don't connect or don't work, but I'd rather have an actor who does those things because sometimes those moments are, are what, you those genius scenes in a a classic genius scenes you know what i mean it's it's when an actor can come up with that kind of stuff so definitely grateful to to have worked with someone of that caliber
0: and it's great news that like you said you've got other films coming up like hard fill with him in and it's you know not many people can say they've had Bruce Willis time and time again my, my final question for you today, obviously I'm just looking at the time, um, my final question for you today is that a lot of young upcoming filmmakers listen to these podcasts and I've had people like Neil Blomkamp on here and people that have talked about how they got into the industry and something I'd like to know from you that, you know, you're really starting to make a name for yourself and you're getting to work with these great actors now and people like Tobin Bell and people. What what advice do you give to those people that are trying to make a name for themselves? Because it's a hard industry to get in, but once you're in it's even harder to kind of stand out and be different and make a name for yourself. What advice do you give to those young filmmakers that really want to be the next Kevin Smith or Tarantino, um, Christopher Nolan? What, what would you say?
1: Well, my, my advice to them is first, don't try to be the next Kevin Smith or Tarantino or, or Nolan, try to be the next whoever you are, right? Yeah. Because what makes those filmmakers great is, and it took me a decade to, to kind of come to this realization, is it's about finding your own voice and making that voice so unique and so strong that people know instantly that, who, that filmmaker who they are. They tell a story in a very specific way. When you watch a Tarantino, a scene... Or a shot from a Tarantino movie, you know it's a Tarantino, Tarantino movie. Same thing with David Lynch, same thing with you know these great filmmakers. What makes them stand out is they have very strong specific voices. So I'd say focus on discovering that. You know what I mean? That's what you should be focused on. Not necessarily trying to emulate them, but trying to figure out what you like and how you can really specific you know create that specific sort of voice. And getting there, sort of breaking into it it's it's hard because there's no one path to becoming a filmmaker or you know becoming successful or you know becoming a director there's just there's no one path there just never was and there never will be so my only advice is create your own opportunities i've been telling that to to people for the longest time and i would not be not have made any of the films i did had i just waited around for other people to give me permission just go out there tell your stories, shoot, work with actors, build relationships, write scripts. Uh, when the scripts get rejected, tell them to fuck off, go back, write another one, uh, find a different producer, just keep pushing, just got to be persistent and really hard-headed. I mean, it's hard for me to, to, to emphasize just how persistent you have to be. Just do not give up. I mean, if this is really what you want to do if you want to be you know that next great filmmaker just go out there keep doing it keep doing it eventually you're going to realize you know had you told me when i made 12 feet deep that you know a year and a half later i'd be on set with bruce willis i i would have been like you're crazy but that's what happened you know what i mean so that's that's the best advice i can give is just be persistent and create your own opportunities
0: and what is the future looking like? Obviously, I mentioned Hard Fill again, you're going to be doing with Bruce Willis, but have you got anything else in the pipeline that you can share about or that you're excited about, or is it all kind of under wraps at the moment? It's all
1: sort of, uh, it's obviously this whole pandemic is, uh, we're supposed to be shooting a movie over the summer, but that all got pushed. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just finished uh, post production on that last film that I did with Bruce Hardkill, and that's. Being released over the summer, late in the summer, and then meanwhile, as obviously we're living in very unprecedented times with uh, with this whole pandemic going on, so uh, you know, as things sort of kind of hopefully get back to normal, um, I've just been doing a lot of reading and writing some scripts, and nothing really set in stone yet. But I'm hoping that as things kind of settle back into normalcy, ideally, I'd love to. Get something but you know get something shot hopefully by the end of this year if not early next year and see see where it goes and, and I always like to hopefully something different something you know every each each of these films with Bruce or the last films they're all been pretty unique in terms of what they were so I'd love to you know challenge myself do something different completely.
0: Well, I really appreciate your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I wish you all the luck with the upcoming releases. I can't wait to see um, how some of my friends are going to love Survive the Night. And yeah, uh, it's been an absolute honour to speak to you. So thanks for taking the time out.
1: No, appreciate that. Thanks for the you know fascinating conversation. It was a real pleasure and uh, hope to keep in touch.
0: So there it is. There's my interview with me and Matt. What a great down to earth guy. Really easy to talk to. And in only, what, 20 minutes, we got to hear some great stories about what it was like to work with such an icon like Bruce Willis. And the best thing is he's going back and doing more films with him. So I really, really think he's got a huge career ahead of him. He's one of these people that I kind of just felt we were just getting into it after half an hour and I would have loved to have spoken to him for another hour or two about films but the good thing about Mark and me, we can get these people back so maybe in a year or two after he's got some more films under his belt we can talk about that and that's something I really look forward to. Like I said at the start, I've just checked out the film Survive the Night, which is out now. It's available on digital download and DVD. And the best thing is right now, on my social media channels, so Twitter and Facebook, I am giving a copy of this film away, so jump on there for a chance to win this. Also, if you are there on markandme.com, there's links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email... Please go on there, let me know what you think of the episode. I love sharing the feedback with the people that come on the episodes and they absolutely adore it. On the last episode I got to share all the feedback with Shane Ward himself and he was reading them all and I saw him replying and liking to people's messages. They really, really do appreciate the time that you put in to listen to the show but also the time that you tell them, you know, if they've enjoyed it or you've gone and checked out different things of their work since they've been on the episode. That's the ultimate compliment you can get. Also, you know the score by now, I have a Patreon page. This podcast costs money to host on the server, so you can have it on Podomatic, and there's loads of stuff like Spotify and iTunes. And the best thing to do is if you go on there, you can kind of support the podcast each month for as little as sort of 60 or 70p there's some great prizes from last exit to nowhere we've got dead good tees prizes this month we've got signed funko pops from kevin smith i try and get as many prizes as i can off the guests so we've even got a signed vinyl from false advertising we've got absolutely loads of stuff but the best thing is that all the money you invest in the podcast goes straight back into it so anything from patreon means i get to do more episodes more interviews which means more material for you So I want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. It's going to be busy. I'm really enjoying talking to these up-and-coming directors at the moment so expect loads more episodes over the next few weeks. Stay safe and I'll speak to you all again in a week's time.